Oh, this is episode 314. This is Pi episode. Yes, it is. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 314. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning, drive to work by the one only Charles Feather. Where's the pie? Uh... <laughs> You know, we probably should have stalled. Now you threw off my whole rhythm, but we should have actually stalled for like a month so that we could do 314 on 314. And the one and only Marco Sanchez. I want pie too. Jeez. (laughs) Yes. All right, everyone. Uh, Welcome. Episode 314. Several weeks ago, in fact, before. Christmas, or maybe the week before Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, we asked everyone if they had any judged New Year's resolutions. And one of our Twitter followers said that they wanted to work on building confidence. And I don't know if we're qualified to talk about this topic or not. I don't, I'm not feeling really secure in that. But how are you guys? You guys think we can tackle this? Maybe. Yeah. I would I would really like some extra help, I think. I, I would really like to to bring somebody on that can that can speak about this for us. Can can help can help shore up shore up some of our some of our weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, give us a boost. And, and as such, we have such a person. Welcome, Madison Henry. Hello, Madison. Hello. I think I also want some pie. Pie would be good. <laughs> pie for everyone. That would be very good. <laughs> Yes, pie. You're making me actually hungry because we were just talking before we stopped started recording. How I made I made dinner, and it was it was kind of like weird ingredients to make my kid happy, and it was gross. And as soon as we get done recording, I'm going to go get some real food. But anyway, when Madison, you say it like that, it sounds like the uh, the food that Will Ferrell makes an elf, like just combining oh. random stuff and going ham. Maple syrup goes on everything. I do have maple syrup. Yeah. Anyway, Madison, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I think I can do that. Um, Hi, friends. My name is Madison Henry. I also go by Maddie. I am a level two judge based out of Cookville, Tennessee. Um, I've been to many events in the last two years that I've been judging. I am a pharmacy technician by day, a mom all the time, and I have recently gotten into playing much more CEDH. So I've been trying to go to more tournaments for that. CEDH? Marcos. Yeah. Marcos. Marcos. It's a real format. Brian, it's not the episode. It's not the episode. (laughs) We're talking about confidence tonight. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't have brought that up. No, no, no. You're allowed. Marcos Marcos and I have very strong differing opinions on CEDH. And Charles just shrugs. Right. (laughs) Anyway, yes, we're talking about confidence. And generally, confidence is an issue that, from my experience, every judge has had some sort of struggle with it, whether it's starting off judging and trying to get into big events, or maybe you've been doing it for a while, but you're not advancing as quickly as you think, or, or, you know, you might have heard this this boogeyman phrase called imposter syndrome being thrown around. But by and large, confidence is something that we all struggle with in some way, shape, or form. So so before we start talking about like how to 
help gain confidence. Maybe we should talk a little bit about stuff that can actually cause like low confidence or a loss of confidence. So, I mean, ultimately that that's a pretty large, I'll, I'll say pie to stay thematic here. Uh, that's a pretty large pie there of things that can really affect your confidence overall. Things like being declined for an event can be one where you know, you were really hoping to be there. You had the expectation that, oh, yeah, I'm a great judge. Oh, I got declined for an event. That clearly means I'm a terrible judge, right? Well, no, but... Well, let's let's dig it, let's dig into that a little bit. You know, not necessarily, like, how to deal with that, but, like, what what do you feel when you get declined for an event? What do you, what do you feel? Well, a lot of people will feel, uh, and, and I felt this before as well, that when you are applying for an event, you are putting yourself out there amongst a huge list of candidates and the theory is or the feeling that a lot of people have is okay only the best top x percent will get put on this staff so if i'm not on that list then that means i am worse than everyone else who is on that staff do you all feel that is true um i would venture to say that that's typically uh, what i've been declined for an event that's been how i felt i'm like you know why didn't i get staffed for this event I feel like I'm a pretty, I feel like I'm a decent judge and where it's like, you know, I'm not asking for any type of travel stipend. I'm, you know, there to work all three days. I don't understand why I didn't get staffed for this when having all of these positive qualities going into applying for the event. It, you, you're told no. And it's hard not to feel like being told no is something personal, right? And that can, that can, that can shake your, that can shake your confidence is I'm not good enough for this. And it doesn't matter whether or not it's the first time or, you know, where where you've, you've, you've applied to your very first event and you get told no, or whether you've applied to 50 events, worked 50 events and you apply that 51st and you get told no, it still can erode um, how you feel about yourself. And, And to a lesser lesser degree but still in the same vein if you apply for a head judge spot and you don't get it okay or a team lead position and you don't get it it's still it's still being told no and that cuts right to the core of things so what's what's something else that might shake your faith in yourself I think that something else, and this is also from a personal experience, um, is failing a test, failing a judge test specifically under Judge Academy is where I got my L2. But I failed the L2 test a couple different times before I got it. And it's not because I'm not a good judge, because I would like to say that, you know, when I go to judge things, I work my butt off and take the time to learn the things necessary um, but I am a terrible test taker. It doesn't matter if it's on paper or if it's online. I am awful at test taking. <laughs> but when I failed those tests, you know, it really did feel like that was a measure of my judging abilities. And even though there was no one within that test seeing me work on the floor and seeing how I interact with players and seeing how um, I am at events, it still felt like that test specifically define how I was as a judge. And, and that's, that is one. Of, and I realize that we're, we're, we're not, we're just talking about things that cause low confidence, but I, I will say that 
the way to look at it is the fact that you were allowed to take the test is a, hey, we think that you're a good judge. Here is mm-hmm. one of the attributes, you know, so you've already you've already done 70 percent of the stuff that you need to do. OK, here's here's another thing. And it it feels it feels bad because fail, failing the test is a kind of a binary, right? It's pass or fail. Whereas mm-hmm. with an event, you can have a good round and a bad round and, and redeem yourself in round four you know that kind of thing so it does it does feel very uh uh it's a, it's a letdown because a lot of times you're expecting the end of the day you've told people and you when you let people know that you're testing you know I'm testing for L3 this afternoon and then that evening if you're not level 3 they know what happened right and there's a, yeah. there's, a, there's a a not great feeling about that you know, people people finding out is, is something that can really hurt your confidence as well. For sure. I feel like here recently with um, Judge Foundry and how they post about people who make L3, um, I've known a couple of people who have tested, didn't make L3. And for their friends that they told that they weren't testing, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take my test. And then they tested, didn't get it. And then the judge foundry post comes up of hey here's our newest round of l3s and now all their friends know like oh they didn't get l3 yeah i yes i agree uh <laughs> yes i, I would, I would yes. Probably, like no like, notes <clears throat> well i i would look at that and i was like well the way to solve that is just don't tell people that you're testing and then you don't have to worry about that you know that's that's, but that's also easy... not having confidence in yourself because that means that you don't feel like you may get there you're, you're already going in with the thought that oh i, I might not get there i don't know i'd and, rather surprise people that like, is true that is fun like if you if you think i don't know if you remember on this on judge cast um i made my l3 I, I passed my l3 exam and it was two months before we acknowledged on the show that i had passed my l3 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay that's kind of great um Okay, so what 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 next? Like, what's, so, is so there we, something so that's we, maybe related a little bit to not passing your test and having people find out about it? it it's very similar in some ways. Um, making a mistake and people learning that you made the mistake, because we don't operate in a vacuum. Uh, everything we do has consequences and effects. Um, it can be anything from as simple as botching a call and having your call appealed. And having the head judge come over and, you know, reverse your decision. It could be if you're working the stage and you make a mistake with uh, taking money or registering a person for an event. It could be something like misdirecting somebody. They come up to you and they say, hey, judge, where do I go to find the lost and found? And you send them on a wild goose chase. Making mistakes and then having people find out that you made the mistake can be a little, um, it can erode your confidence some. I, I find that the best thing that we can do in this case is to own the mistake as quickly as possible. You know, the sooner the sooner you own it, and in fact, if you alert somebody to it, like you can be walking up to that appeals judge and saying to yourself, you know what, maybe I didn't have this right. 
explaining your ruling and then say, and you know what? I'm not sure that I got that part right. You know, if you own your mistake, the earlier you own your mistake, the better. But it's still, it's, it's still, you're going to sit there kicking yourself later in the day for the mistake. You're going to sit there and say, possibly, do I, do I belong in this role that I'm in? Do I, do I belong where I am at the moment? And it's, it's really something that can just eat away at what you're doing and erode your confidence constantly if you let it. And we don't want you to let it. Early on, when I first started judging, I say early on, this was, you know, two years ago, um, <laughs> I had an event that I was at where I did get a ruling wrong um, with some players who were playing in a competitive event. And I walk away from that table and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that was right. So I go to another judge, I double check and they're like, actually, this is the ruling. And I'm like, oh, okay. I go to the players, I let them know, and they're very, very understanding, which was fantastic. But for the rest of the day, for the rest of that event, actually, I spent it thinking, I really like completely messed up that call. I can't believe that I let myself do that, you know, and it kept, it did keep being at me for that event because I didn't feel like I was good enough at that point to continue answering these players' calls. And from my experience and just speaking about myself, me being a female judge, it was hard for me as well because I felt like I had kind of let down other female judges in a sense that when I get a ruling wrong, my first thought goes to what if these players decide to not call a judge if they see a female judge or female presenting judge around because I got their ruling wrong this time. And that's something that I've started working on and have been getting better at not worrying about as much, but it has definitely taken a while to get there. There, there is even in 2024, there are some players that would rather have a male judge or think that female judges aren't as good. And so there's an extra layer where, and I'm I'm projecting. So correct correct me if I'm wrong. That you're playing into if you make a mistake, you're playing into that stereotype, or you're justifying that stereotype, that negative stereotype. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I agree. I I have had not once but a couple different times players look at me and say, "I would rather have a male judge." To your face, and yes. And I was just so shocked in that moment because I'm like, okay, what, what are they going to do that I can't? Like, I don't, what's your point here? But unfortunately it does happen. It does happen to where, you know, I've gone to calls and they do that. Or, you know, if I go to a call, someone starts getting rude and snappy with me. But if Prilliman were to walk up to the same call it probably wouldn't happen that way. And I'm going to extend this because we have a lot of different listeners from a lot of different walks of life and, and, and different levels. You know, it's, it's not always just a male, female problem. Sometimes they'll ask what level the judge is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're an L one and female, that's gotta be even or female presenting. It's gotta, it's gotta be even harder, right? Yeah. I think the first, one of the first calls I took, 
being a very, very green L1. I'm like 99% sure that was one of the first calls I took was someone looking at me and saying, I want a male judge. And so I go to another judge and I'm like, hey, um, this player (laughs) wants a male judge. And the judge looked at me and said, well, did you tell them that they were receiving a USC? And I was like, no, I'm new here. Yeah. (laughs) So so that, oh, that, okay. Little aside for a second on on that particular issue because there is a a completely different set of confidence uh, uh aspects built into that where you at the table um let me let me see here how to how to phrase this if you are the judge that was insulted and then you are the one that gives the USC minor that creates or or even even more than that that creates a weird situation internally because it feels like you're overreacting or you're being punitive or something along those kind of lines. So I wouldn't begrudge someone in that situation going to the head judge and saying, Hey, here's a situation. I I'm, I'm not comfortable dealing with it. You know, it still needs to be dealt with, but I can, I can absolutely see that what's running through your mind is, I did not feel comfortable giving the unsporting conduct penalty for a statement that was directed at me. Okay. Yeah, Definitely. There's, there's an aspect also to that of just being blindsided of the fact that this is even happening. Uh, I've experienced this on occasion being a Hispanic judge and uh, having somebody be, I'll say the way they were addressing me made it seem like they were unsure whether I would would understand the most basic of concepts because of my race and my background. So uh, that sort of thing comes up. And when that happens, uh, I don't know if it's the same way for you, Maddie, but when that happened to me, it definitely rocked me and was like, well, what, wait, what, what, how is this even happening? Are, and you kind of like stumble on yourself to figure out how is it that this is the conversation I'm having right now, you know? Mm-hmm. I think... So. It definitely rocks you, especially because I feel like with, at least with the judges that I've worked with, we're a pretty tight group. Like, we have accepted all sorts of different walks of life from many different people. And even with it being 2024, not everyone sees it that way. And so when you go into these events and then you have a player who does something like we've previously mentioned, you're kind of like, wait a second, did that did they really just say that? Did that really just happen? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> Definitely. I think that something else that kind of causes some confidence issues, for me at least anyways, is it seems like everyone knows more than me. Um, especially when I first started judging, um, I had a few mentors, and they were wonderful mentors, But even when I went to my first event and there were other, you know, green L1s, I still felt like they knew more than I did. And I was the least knowledgeable of them all. Even when I go to events now, I'll look around at some of the staff and it'll be completely stacked full of wonderful people. And I'm like, huh, I don't feel like I know anything compared to these people. Yeah, that's that's a a big thing where you kind of know what you know what you know and know what you don't know when when you're kind of behind your own eyeballs you are looking at all the stuff that you don't know 
And what you're not seeing is all the other stuff that all the other people don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that can that can be intimidating, and that can make you, you know, feel like a, a a fraud. Or using social media as an analogy, you're seeing everybody else going on great vacations, and it kind of feels like, oh, everybody's going on all these great vacations, and I'm not. And you kind of have the 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 FOMO feel, when in reality, it's you've got 150 friends. Three of them at any time are going to be somewhere awesome, right? It's not everybody's going on <laughs> vacations. So, you know, when you're looking out and you're seeing the judges and, and you're seeing them be successful, what you're seeing is one or two instances or, or maybe three or four instances spread out across like 20 L1s. And you're like, yeah, why isn't that me? Or why? Oh, they're all doing so much better because you're you're kind of a, a, applying that group uh, uh homogeneously so. very true and yeah and that kind of absolutely. goes into another go ahead charles no 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 i'm just in, in agreement i i'm just sitting here reflecting on it all and it's just it look I, I probably present very confidently a lot of the time um i'm hearing a lot of things that i just sit there and I, i've I, I i've actually experienced myself so i think it's i think it's not necessarily related to just one person or, or one type, um, I think we all suffer it at some point in time or another, which is just, it's eye-opening to me. Definitely. Anyway. And and that kind of conversation, I think, leads into another aspect of what can kind of lower your confidence, which is when, and this is a big thing for me in general, is managing your expectations. If you have mismatch expectations or you have set your expectations too high, uh, to be realistic, it's very easy for you to get disappointed. If you're deciding, okay, I'm going to go to this event. I'm not going to get a single ruling wrong. I'm not going to get appealed. Everything's going to go fantastic. And people are going to be like, oh my God, that's the best judge I've ever seen when I walk out of there. And then you go and you fumble your first call and get appealed and then get overturned because of something you forgot. Now all of a sudden the rest of the day is just shot. And it's because you set this expectation of... I have to be X level of good, or I have to justify my skills, my talent, the fact that I got this role. Uh, you know, like I, I'll, I'll share the story of the first time I got to head judge an SCG event. I walked in with really high expectations, with a lot of confidence, and immediately got uh, demonstrated to me that I was not actually as good as I thought I was. And that kind of mismatch of where I swore I had everything covered, I had thought about everything I needed, and then within like the first couple of rounds goes, oh yeah, I did not actually understand everything that had to go into what I needed to do for this, and actually I am woefully underprepared. That shuts you down real quick and can really leave you uh, very much lacking in the confidence levels. So when I put mismatch expectations, I was actually thinking a, a a little more grounded in the sense of oh Hmm. now that i'm an l1 i'm going to be able to just go up to any to and they're going to want me for their events or now you know i want to be a judge so i'm just going to stand in the middle of the room on discord and say who wants to be my mentor and then when nobody (laughs) nobody jumps i i start feeling well what's wrong what's What's the problem? Why can't I get a TO to give me a, a job? I, I'm an L1 now. I should 
be able to do this? Or why can't I find a mentor? That that kind of stuff. That's is, terribly, is, terribly funny because you both had different perceptions of this. I have a third. Okay. <laughs> and then we can see if Maddie's got a See if Maddie's got a Maddie's got a for the for the for the, for the, for the, quad, the, for the quad, quad trick. The quad, quad trick. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, when I read it, the thing that I thought of was the difference between what you do know and what you're what somebody may expect you to know, right? Um mm. so you get put on a team for deck checks and you're an L2 and Somebody else who's the team lead or or somebody who's working deck checks with you may assume that you know everything at that point in time you need to know to operate reasonably independently. Oh, it's like, entirely you don't it's know, entirely you don't know how to use. It's melee? entirely possible you've never you've never done that before. You've never been in that role before. So how would you know how to operate um, optimally and and somewhat independently and and reach out when you need help or the melee thing. Or, I mean, every player in the room needs you to understand how to use melee. If you don't know how to use melee, that, you know, that must be a, a fault on your part. Um, there are so many mismatched expectations that happen in the interpersonal relationships on a floor uh, that, that can lead to erosion of confidence. Oh, yeah. How many times do you see somebody uh, instruct somebody on their team, okay, go set up some tape loops on this board, and then you walk over and you go, that... That's not tape It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Do we have a fourth? Fascinating. No, I've been trying to think of something, and it, it just hasn't happened. Okay. That's okay. So I'll, I'll give, I'll, I'll riff off of, off of what Charles says is when you feel something that can cause low confidence is when you feel you should know something and you don't. Okay. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what, what Charles was saying, but it doesn't necessarily have to be at an event. You know, it can just be mm-hmm. something like internal where maybe you realize that you kind of suck at multiple replacement effects, you know, mm. and you really feel that you should know it, but you don't you don't know how to ask. Like, I, I've told this story on the air before, back when Ricky and uh, and Seacat did this this little podcast called JudgeCast. Um, I... <laughs> Needed, I couldn't figure something out from the IPG, but I was too. I felt that I should know it, and I was too embarrassed to ask people that I know. So I actually created a fake email address and sent a question <laughs> into JudgeCast under a fake name, so that I could get an answer and not have it revealed that it was me asking that question because yeah. I was so embarrassed for not knowing. I've never done that in a Facebook group. I. <laughs> <laughs> I've. I've definitely had my fair share of being embarrassed to ask things, um, especially when it when it does come to being at an event. I know I know it's been talked about a million times, but Judge Academy L twos that whole section was very broad. And going into an event, and someone's like, "Oh, you're an L two. I expect you to know all of these different things." And it's my first time team leading. And someone says, okay, great. You're team leading deck checks. Um, how do you want to do this? And it's like, well, I don't know. That's a great question. And I've been too scared to ask anybody these questions. <laughs> so now I'm just here. What's, what's that What's that meme? Uh, so like, uh, crap, I can't remember the setup, but the conclusion is, and I'm too scared to ask. 
or oh, I've seen it, but yeah. I don't remember it. Yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, well then, do a little clicky click and take this section out then, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or, or leave in the fact that I asked for it to be taken out, and uh, you know. I think we well, should just leave it in because, you know, we can expose Brian's lack of knowledge do, about something. I don't yeah. have confidence. <laughs> there we yes. go. Yes. Uh, I don't <laughs> have confidence in my, in my knowledge of memes. Got him. Okay. <laughs> so, so here's something else that can cause uh, low confidence. This is when your players just don't respect you or the TO acts like uh, you should be grateful that you are allowed to judge. Like, that's a particular mm. situation where you don't you don't feel valued you know the player maybe the players ignore you or maybe the to you know you've made a dq because you've got a policy doc and the to's like "Mm, no i i disagree so i'm just gonna take that authority away from you and and you just be happy that we let you exist that's that can really impact your self-worth you know, like everyone wants to feel valued in the thing that they do. They want to feel that the stuff that they that they do and contribute is worth something. And mm-hmm. having, you know, players disrespect you or TOs disrespect you works against that. So, you know. For sure. I think it kind of goes back to uh, what Marcos and I were talking about earlier as far as players, for me, looking at me and saying, oh, I would like a male judge. And it's like, hmm, okay, cool. I don't know what to do with myself now. Yeah, a very, a very common question from younger folks looking to become judges is dealing with people. Because if you are a, let's say a 17 year old, and I'm going to use the word kid and I can because I'm an old man. So you're 17 year old (laughs) kid. Okay. And don't, your don't, store... don't, don't don't laugh at the old man comment. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, so you're a you're a seventeen year old, you know. Anyway, and your store is full of let's say like late twenties, early thirty dudes. You're mm. they're not gonna take you like it it takes more work for them to take you seriously and that can also really under uh, undermine or maybe you're just generally socially awkward you know and you feel weird insert inserting yourself because the players have made it clear that they just don't want you inserting yourself in their fun times you know that can really undermine your confidence all right does anyone have anything else that can that can lower your confidence or imp- negatively impact your confidence. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a listener out there that can sit there and say, oh, well, these three things. Um, I think we covered in general some very broad outlines of, of what can erode confidence. And, and we even got into some very specific cases. Um, I can't actually think of anything else, but but I just want to make sure that. How confident are you in that response? I'm I'm confident enough to sit there and say, you know what? I think we covered the general stuff. Okay. I think we did it. And if you have well. something else, we have a Discord where you can share all of the things that you feel take away from your confidence levels. If you're confident enough. <laughs> I'm going to fill up that Discord later. Just wait. <laughs> Tell us how we were wrong we, in the we Discord. We live for it. We live for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So those are all things that can cause low confidence and hopefully some of them resonated with you. Not too many, though. But, you know, that's so. OK, 
So how do we fix it? We got all these we got all these things given us given us the feel bads. How do we reclaim some of the feel goods? Pick me, pick me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. 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 Don't compare yourself to others. And this has been one of the hardest things for me to grasp myself and that I have to constantly remind myself, not even just in judging, but like in my normal job, just don't compare yourself to others. At the end of the day, there's always going to be someone who is better than you. And that's just the fact of life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, If you are constantly comparing yourself to other people, you're going to always find something that you're doing wrong or that you could be doing better. And that will also like eat away at you if you continue to do that. So don't compare yourself to others. Now, if you see something in someone that you like, try to mimic those behaviors. There is a specific judge who I absolutely adore. I don't know if name dropping is okay. I mean, it's me. So yeah, you can, you can. (laughs) Well, no, I, no. I was going confidence. <laughs> no, absolutely. In the positive, I was going we want, to we say want to name drop. We we want those. Yeah, go for it. Want, yeah, name, yeah, name name name. Okay, oh, yeah. wonderful. Um, Gary Rowland is someone who I admire as a judge. He is constantly one of the things that he does is he constantly makes sure that the other judges that he is working with are taken care of, especially if he is team leading or head judging. And that is something that when I compare myself to Gary, I'm like, oh, Gary's just always going to be a better judge than me. And that's one of those things that can tear away at your confidence. But something that I admire Gary for, which is Gary always makes sure that the judges he's working with are taken care of. That's something that I can take from what Gary does and try to incorporate that into what I do at events. Yeah, the the don't. It's kind of weird because we're saying, like, don't compare yourself to others, but at the same time, yeah. compare yourself to others in, in in the sense of look for good quality. Don't don't compare yourself in the sense that you're looking for a way that you are lacking. You compare yourself to others to look for a way that you could improve, if that mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's kind of the two sides of the same coin. I, I also want to add, don't compare yourself to others. When it comes to being, you know, because when we were talking about things that cause low confidence, something that happens when you get declined for an event or you don't get the role, you go and look to see who did get accepted and you Mm -hmm. go and look to see who did become, who was selected for head judge. And then you immediately go, well, I'm, you know, I'm not as good as that person, which is, and, and, um, Marcos, you were kind of hinting at this from like a staffing standpoint, from a from a criteria standpoint. You know, there's there's yeah. kind of like a threshold of of competency that you 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 want in a certain judge. Like, let's say you're you're hiring for a head judge position, you don't always go for like the best. You need like, let's say on a ten point scale, I need a seven. I'm just making up numbers, okay. I need I need a seven for this particular role, and out of the people that apply, I get. A ten, a nine, an eight, three sevens, another eight, a nine, and another ten. Okay, and I pick an eight. Well, the nine, the the nines and the tens could actually look and be like, well, you know, feel kind of bad, or, or maybe one of the sixes 
looks at that and is like, well, I'm at least an eight, you know, but what happens mm-hmm. is, is I had other criteria. Maybe this is the first time that the eight has applied to one of the events and maybe I've staffed the tens a bunch of times and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that you don't have visibility in and a statement I heard once, and I don't even remember where I heard it from, was in a room, in, in a class full of Einsteins, 50% of them are going to be bottom of the class. You know, half of them are oh, going to be... that's a good one. Right. Yeah, that's really good. Right. The trick is realize, is, is being an Einstein. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the goal. But yeah, in a, in a class full of Einsteins, you know, 50% of them, half of them are going to be in the bottom half of the class. So yeah. just, and, yeah, go on. Uh, to that end, I, I experienced that personally. When I went to college, I went to college for music and recording. And in my town where I was growing up and in high school, I was like a very talented musician amongst not many. So it was like, oh, okay, I'm going to music school, et cetera. And then I walk in there, I go, I am 100% without question, the worst guitarist in basically every room I'm in. And that's okay, because I still got into that school. Yeah, it's the, the other the other joke. It's, it's slightly more derogatory. Is what do you call what do you call uh, what do you call someone who finishes bottom of their class in medical school? Doctor, doctor. Yep, <laughs> yep. All right. What else we got? So this one really speaks to me, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take it because it's celebrate what you succeed at, and and I could go any number of personal stories here, but the concept here is isn't just knowing your lane it's it's if there isn't a lane create one that fits you be the best person that you can be at what you're doing at any given time right it it and it sounds overwhelmingly simple but it's not right there are people that excel at rules knowledge we we sometimes lovingly refer to them as rules robots, and it's not because they're mechanical. It's because they just have that memory bank that can pull forth knowledge. They're, they're robots. They're robots. Um, <laughs> Corson is a Cray supercomputer. Yes, yes. Okay. 100%. Um, I believe it. But, but then you also have people that we want to celebrate that know how to see the draft, get them playing, and have fun. Um, we know the people that can sit there and figure out how to cascade repair 2000 player event with eight repairs. You know, we, we know these people that, um, are, are amazing at customer service. If you are really, really, really good at something, figure out how to apply it to judging. That's it. It's it's not a it's not a huge secret. If you're great at public speaking, figure out a presentation that's needed at a conference and deliver it. Okay. Um, if you are amazing, uh, like like Maddie's friend at uh, checking in on people and making sure that they have what they need, that's brilliant. Do that and and and, and figure out ways to to make that better for the people that you're wrapped up in, in working with. Right. Uh, for me, my, my craziness, uh, I am, you know, I, I'm the alternative personality. I, I do Dr. Judge. I love unevents. Um, I also really, really dig working registration. 
and interacting with all of the players in the room one at a time for 30 seconds and getting them exactly what they need. Um, I think I'm very, very good at it. So that's what I lean into. So, you know, celebrate what you are good at and then find ways to make it better. And let's even, from a more mechanical standpoint, when we're talking about things that, that cause low confidence, okay, one of the items was... Uh, making a mistake and have everyone learn about it because you 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 focus on that five percent you you did ninety five percent of the day correct and you botched five percent of it that five percent is going to occupy ninety five percent of your ninety yeah. percent yeah. of your thoughts and right. what you should what you should do is realize you got ninety five percent right now I'm not saying like I'll completely dismiss the five because you're like well I got ninety five what do you want but kind of frame it as don't don't give such a disproportionate amount to the the problems that you had look at all the successes look at all the good that you did because realistically i mean realistically you know a successful judge call never made it never made it on reddit you know <laughs> you know it's always it's always the bad <laughs> you know, you know oh. I, I successfully rolled that miss trigger there's not going to be a reddit thread on that but you did it successfully. You look at it and you're like, I did a good job on this particular thing. That helps you realize that it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all problematic, you know. So the the little successes are just as, or not just as important as the big ones because, you know, the big ones are big. But the little, the, the little successes add up over over the day and should get more mental brain space in your head when reviewing the day than that one botched call you made because you didn't realize uh, that there was a reflexive trigger or something along those lines. Definitely. And beyond that, another one that I really like, because this is something that I really take to heart, is one big thing we talked about when you are not confident about something is because you aren't sure or you feel like other people know more. Well, one of the best ways to make sure that you can gain some of that knowledge is to ask questions. Remove all of these unknowns by seeking out the knowledge that you need to feel more confident. Now, that can be something as simple as, oh, hey, reflexive triggers are something that I'm not super familiar with or I'm not super comfortable with. Can you help me like understand how I should be handling this? Or it could be something going into like, hey, I think that you are exceptional at leading a deck checks team and you really know all these different areas that deck checks has to handle. Can you just show me something to help me be better whenever I'm on a deck checks team and just seek out that extra information from those around you? Because the best way to increase your knowledge is to get it from those who have it. You don't have to be an island just waiting for that knowledge to seep into you from the unknown. Seek it out and, and again, really seek out to ask because the worst thing that a well, not the worst thing, but one of the worst things that a judge can do is just assume they know how to do something that they don't know how to do and then confidently do it wrong. Oof. That always comes back to bite you and that always causes more problems than if you had just stopped for a second and go, you know what? I'm not 100% sure what you meant by put up tape loops. Can you just walk me through what you mean by tape loops? And then we can have a discussion and then we can sh- demonstrate. And then before you know it, you're off taping all of the boards in the room and nobody has an issue with them all day. Yeah. And when you find a mistake, 
let's say you find the tape loops done wrong or you find something else done wrong. Not only fix it, but try and find out who did it originally and have a chat with them later. It it can be very pleasant, but that can also help build their confidence next time they're told to go do the thing instead of, you know, having things messed up. Yeah. Tape loops should be um, a part of every L1 test. (laughs) All right. So so something, a, a tool, and this is a tool that I still use, is I make a list. Like, it is surprising how much having a sheet of paper with the stuff you need to do on it can be your little safe, you know, be your, be your blankie, uh, <laughs> worried about head, forgetting something in head judge announcements, make a bulleted list in advance. You're not going to forget anything. Team leading for the first time, write down what the break schedule is in your book. Don't know how to seat people for a draft, write, write it down. You know, and that way you can refer to it. And in the process of writing it down, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, memory and how it works is you read it. It goes into your brain. You write it down. It's leaving your brain. It's and then you refer to it later. That's three points of of education going on there. And a lot of times you'll find that maybe you don't even need to reference the the sheet of paper because you wrote it because you actually learned the thing in the process of writing it down. But you can be confident that you won't forget something because you got that little piece of paper right there. Yeah, I love that. It's like making a cheat sheet for a test. Yeah, I did. Okay, so funny, funny thing aside, um, I did have a player one time with uh, the their playmat said remember think through your you know remember to think through your plays and someone wanted to call that outside assistance <laughs> because it was strategic uh, because it was strategic advice i was like that is not strategic advice that's that's like that's like life lesson time right there that's like the people wearing t-shirts that say untap up keep draw you know it's yeah, yeah it's, that's that's it's, fine that's fine it's but basic but, stuff people yeah, but at the same time, if you if you need that because you're making mistakes and you need that written down to help remind you, go for it. Really, it only now. It in only, fairness, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, in fairness, some of those shirts I've seen say "Untap, Upkeep, Draw, Concede." That's it. <laughs> I, I was actually going to say it's only outside of assistance if it's written upside down, so you can actually read it when you when you look down at your shirt. <laughs> I'm fine with my opponent taking that advice. I think another thing that can help with building your confidence is not letting small stuff eat at you. And now you might be asking, okay, Maddie, well, what's the small stuff? A small thing to me is getting a call wrong. I have made very simple mistakes on judge calls before. And it was a matter of either I've looked it up in the MTR or the IPG and I didn't finish reading the full statement because who wants to read the full thing? And when I've gotten it wrong and I've had another judge shadowing me or I've gone to talk to someone about it later, they're like, Hey, let's fix this. Or if it's them shadowing me, they're like, um, if you give us a moment, do you mind if we step away from the table and talk for a second? And they'll pull me aside and say, Hey, by the way, it actually works this way. And like I had mentioned earlier, I had an event where I let that 
wrong ruling stay with me the entire weekend, if I did that every single event that I went to, I don't know that I would still be judging today. It really takes a matter of looking at it and saying, just like Brian had mentioned earlier, the 5% that I got wrong, does that really outweigh the 95% that I got right? And when you look at it from that bigger picture, it doesn't seem as bad. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I told a player the land station is over next to table 406, when in reality it was over next to 422 or whatever. It's one of those things where it was a small thing. It's an annoyance, but that doesn't mean that I'm any less of a judge because I did that. Yeah, I think the small stuff can mostly be defined by did the event completely collapse because of this mistake? And more often than not, it does not. Yeah, it, it's 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 a little dismissive to say this, but we are judges for a child's card game. Like in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> uh, and I and I, and I, I realize people are like, no, it's thirteen plus. You know, there's like thirty year olds. Like, we're, <laughs> the average age of people on this podcast right now is probably low forties, right? The average age of all four of us. So clearly, adults do it, but I'm just kind of like trying to to frame it in. It's a card game. We're probably not judging at the pro tour where the stakes are absolutely the highest it's an rcq or an fnm or something like that it's it this the stakes aren't really that high mm-hmm. so if you if you you know don't uh uh treat it like you bought a company for four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents per share and then it immediately lost uh two-thirds of its value you know, that's a big deal. That's a thing that you should not sweat or uh, that you should sweat. You know, messing messing up a, a hex proof call is not great, but it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I've not really. I'm not going to say that every player does this because. There's no way that every player does this, but there have definitely been players who see judges as what we described earlier as robots. And at the end of the day, we're human too, and we make mistakes. And I don't think that there will ever come a time that no judge makes a mistake. Yeah, I I even see the rules robots reach out to the rules manager for Wizards of the Coast. So, you know, it's not always cut and dry. Um, Mm -hmm. there, There is... And, and that that that's just rules. Uh, policy is a whole different area where we get to argue and uh, play around all day long with these test cases that have come up in one event or another. Um, you know, it, it's it's a favorite pastime of judges to work through these mental exercises while they're on the floor talking to other judges. Um, mm-hmm. These things both help build your confidence, but you know we have to understand that. A, we're, we're not perfect with it, and B, sometimes there is not a right answer. Happens. Wait, did you call out former JudgeCast co-host Jess Dunks, the rules manager? Um, I I did, but I also called out <laughs> Jess's predecessor and their predecessor and their predecessor. Um, it's True. it's something that has happened f- for many a many a day. Absolutely. So the next point I want to talk about is 
something that I'm very familiar with as a with my background as a musician and in just the creative arts field. One of the big things you ask yourself the old adage of how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Well, practice, practice, practice. And the same is true for judging. One of the things that you pick up over time is that when you go to an event, you start to see a lot of the same things over and over at every event. And a lot of times you can gain some confidence just from having the muscle memory of the constant repetition. The more you go to events, the more you start putting up tape loops, because apparently this is just my thing today, (laughs) but the more you make tape loops, the more it's going to be just memory at that point and you're not actively thinking about it they just go oh do tape loops and you go cool and it's done and you don't even realize are the scariest part of any large event according to marcos they're absolutely (laughs) apparently yes (laughs) this is where confidence really comes in right if you mess up on the tape loops like a black hole will enter will open up you'll swallow you up and no one will ever see you again (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i mean it's it's one of those things that's just a small repetitive task that has to happen basically every event for it to run, at least a lot of the larger events. And it's one of those things that the more you can do it, and this goes for any aspect of judging, the more calls you take. For me earlier on, uh, rules knowledge has not ever been like the thing I felt the strongest about. You know, as Brian likes to point out, I'm a hugsy judge. I'm not necessarily the like super <laughs> rulesy judge. So I was more focused on the customer service aspect and and interacting with players and that sort of thing. So when it came to like really complex rules questions, that was a thing that gave me a lot of uh, nerves early on. And to some extent still does a little bit, especially when you get into CEDH land where things go absolutely bonkers and you have 19 spells on the stack with four triggers in between each one. But the thing is, the more you approach those, the more of those calls that you take, the less scary it's going to be because, oh, I I handled this already. The next one can't be that bad. And overall, you just kind of get that muscle memory. You get that repetition. And before you know it, it's secondhand to you. And and a lot of that, again, uneasiness from the unknown, from what could potentially happen, from the catastrophizing you build up in your head is going to fade away because you've done this so much. Don't forget about with your CEDH example, you know, the player trying to concede at instant speed. Um, Let's let's not talk about that. (laughs) By the way, for all of our CEDH fans, a new rules update came out to the addendum to the IPG. Uh, You can find that on Twitter somewhere. We'll throw throw a link in the show notes, right, Brian? Stay on target. Stay on target. (laughs) (laughs) You see a lot of judges. We've talked about Abe Corson, but you see a lot of judges who are like, oh, Abe is just this robot who does everything amazing every time. And I don't know that people take that extra second to think, how long has Abe been doing this? And how many events has Abe been at? Mm-hmm. And you know, how many questions was Abe asking to get to this point where someone can go and say, hey, Abe, I have this really complex thing. Here's what's going on. And Abe looks at you and says, oh, yeah, well, we can just fix it like this. Because he has that experience and he has that knowledge from working those things and working many events and being around for an amount of time. Absolutely. So this is a fun one and it kind of bookends a little bit with Marcus's about, about, you know, how do you get to Carnegie hall? You practice, practice, practice. Um, Realize that screwing up teaches us more sometimes than getting it right. 
you can you can you can say it a dozen different ways, but uh, I prefer to remember it as, as pain is a great teacher, and you know I don't want you to be in pain at an event, please. But the the mental pain is what I'm talking about here. The 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 lack of confidence. The oh no, I made a mistake. I have embarrassed myself. I have embarrassed my fathers. I have. <laughs> I I I have I have shamed I have shamed my family. Um making a mistake is is in fact a reasonably good teacher because we sit there and we learn from these mistakes. Hopefully, uh we don't go out and we we do them again. We take the knowledge that we've uh gained from the painful experience of making the mistake and and we go forth and we do better the next time. I'm a fan of logistics. Um, so I see it all the time where choices are made for how product is put together, how it's distributed, how um, players are given instructions to interact with the product. These are all little things that as you watch them, you can find a thousand knobs to turn that make the experience better next time. But you don't know that the first time you do it. It's impossible. You know, you do the first, and sometimes you have a set of instructions that are given to you and you're told to do it this way and you still do it and you look at it and you're like, no, that's not right. That's wrong. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. The players didn't understand this. Why did we do it that way? I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. And it can eat at you. But what you have to realize is, is that the next time you're given this assignment in two months, for a different TO, you're going to rock it because you're going to make changes. You're going to make improvements on the fly. You're going to make sure that the players have a better experience. Screwing up does teach us something and it's valuable. We just have to be able to be willing to learn from it and not just sit there and stare at it and say, yeah, that was terrible. I'm just going to do that again. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to follow up on. The willingness to learn from your mistakes is crucial there because this comes back to the confidence level. If you feel like, oh, now my confidence is shot and now I don't know how to handle myself and I'm just going to sit and wallow in this as opposed to try to learn from it, you're missing out on a really valuable teaching moment and you have to be open to going, okay, I screwed up. How do I not screw up again? How do I make it so that I only make that mistake once? And when you're when you're talking about how to realize or so that when you make a mistake you only make that once, one of the one of the things to to look at is realizing what your safety nets are. Okay? And what I what I mean by that is you actually have there's very few realistic things that have to be solved this exact second and can't take 30 seconds or that you can't ask someone else in advance. Like if you get into a situation where you don't know what the right call is, you've got an IPG, you've got a CR in your phone. Okay. Pull it out. Look it up. Uh, you've got team leads. Presumably there's other judges there. You've got friends to talk about things before the event. Like you don't know how, um, you're on the end of round team and you don't know how to resolve ghost matches. Okay. Well, you got a friend, you know, probably lots of judges that have done end of round. So just go ask one of them. Hey, what'd you do? And have a talk and ask questions. You know, there's, um, 
on the Judge Academy Discord, there's an SOS channel for when you need, if you need something right now. You know, you can't afford to wait and you've, you've already tried looking it up and you're dealing with a 10-minute extension or whatever. Like, you have safety nets and judges, realistically, there's nothing judges love more than proving how smart they are about a particular topic. So if you ask a judge, <laughs> hey, how do you do so and so and such and such? They're going to tell you a lot. Like this whole podcast, this 314 episodes of <laughs> of I love telling people about how much I know about things. Yeah, Let's go. It, yeah, but be leery of asking the right person. Because somebody can have false confidence, and that's a terrible thing as well when they don't actually know the answer. Uh, true, true. They they might they might just seem seem like they're very very confident in something. I think going off of seeming like you're confident in something, um, that's one of those things when you're not super confident in yourself. Fake it till you make it. One of the things that can actually make you more confident is acting confident. Kind of going back to the earlier scenarios of not having the players respect when they looked at me and said, oh, I want a male judge. In that moment, obviously, I was very shocked. It was just very confused as to what was happening. But instead of just being completely bewildered by the whole situation, one of the things we can do is continue to approach that situation with confidence, continue to assert and show that you believe enough in yourself to give the correct answers or to lead the correct way. It definitely helps when you have a lot of people around you who also want to help you be more confident who are also watching you and saying, Hey, you know, you did a really good job on this call. And sometimes they're going to tell you, Hey, you didn't do the best on this call, but let's try again next time. And even though in that moment, it'll probably sting a little because you're trying to do the best you can continue to approach those situations with confidence, continue to go into that judge call thinking, okay, whatever it is, these plays are about to ask. I'm going to know how to help them. And even if I don't know the answer off the top of my head, I will say, hey, players, I'm fairly sure that I know the answer, but give me just a moment. I want to double check myself. Whenever you give a player an answer like that, first of all, they still believe that you're confident. And second of all, they're going to appreciate the fact that you took a time to double check a ruling or to double check on the question that they had. Yeah, the the act of seeming confident and making sure that you're presenting yourself as confident regardless of your actual confidence levels has this really fun side effect of you actually just start becoming much more confident it's really weird but it's very much a thing um that go ahead oh i was was gonna say there's a a thing called or, or at least i heard it referred to as the the mind body connection and it most easily expresses itself or the most easily noticeable way is smiling has been shown to actually make you happier. Frowning has shown to make you less happy. Appearing confident, you know, I'm, I'm making an extrapolation here, but based on observations, looking like adopting a confident 
body language and acting confidence can actually boost your mental perception of your confidence. You know, the, the I've, I've got in here in the notes, the Superman pose, you know, if you stand with your, your, a wide stance, you know, your, your feet under your hips and your hand, your, your hands on your hips, you know, chest out back straight kind of thing. Like your, your Superman standing up there that just do that for a little bit. You're going to feel great. You're going to feel like you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. You know, sometimes certain music will get you pumped up. I, I am so here for the simultaneous action of all the judges at 10.05 at the next event standing in the Superman pose. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. For, for, like, for like a minute and just have players look around the room and some of them make this weird connection that there's something happening, that's, but they have no idea what it is. That's <laughs> terrifying. That's like something out of like Blair Witch. If they, you know, you know, oh, I'm just all go, for it. Just go run and <laughs> Superman pose in the corner. Face the wall. Just, everybody no. everybody at MagicCon Chicago, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> now, wasn't there... I feel like I've heard a story about there being a judge who would do that. The Superman pose? Yeah. Oh, now I can't remember who it was. I, I hope so. something like that, too. Huh. Hmm. If anyone listening knows, please let us know. Because we don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be the Superman pose, but that's just an example of something that you, you actually do feel a little bit better and feel a little bit more confident. It helps to have John Williams fanfare, Superman fanfare playing in the background, or maybe Indiana Jones. That's my go-to. Like, oh, it's I'm hard. Superman mm-hmm. all the way. It's hard not to feel absolutely amazing when you're listening to the same music that you could be like, in a mine cart going through some mines, you know, fleeing from uh, a bad guy in one of the good, well, actually that wasn't a good Indiana Jones movie, but, <laughs> but anyway, I, I will say, I think a good example of this, uh, you don't get to see it as much anymore, but when, uh, I would, I was working a Grand Prix with Jared Silva on my team. Uh, he was not behind the stage. He was on the team and he very much, just stood there and he had this kind of superman style stance of when he was standing near the end of an aisle and it was something that he like actually went out of his way to talk to me about like hey i stand here like this because a it presents confidence b i can also get to this angle and this table and this table over here from this one spot kind of planted this way because it allows me to go right left straight wherever whenever a judge call comes up so like there's actual logistical thought to this as well but also you just feel confident and badass like oh yeah i got this you know yeah i'm not necessarily saying superman pose on the floor but maybe like five oh, minutes I, I am. in the mirror when I you're am. getting ready G- gentle listener <laughs> i am please please do it yeah yeah <laughs> it's not that out it's not that weird looking if you see somebody doing that it's just a confident pose if you start playing it's, music, it's, then it's, yes, it's, it's weird. But. It's just weird looking. That, that makes it a little it's weird. It's just weird looking if everybody does it. No, I think if you're going to commit to it, the music actually sells it. Uh, you think sure. so? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, can we move on from Superman? So, okay, sorry. Superman is like my favorite character. I'm literally drinking coffee from a Superman mug right now, so sorry. Oh, that's um, fantastic. We, we got, oh, I got so. Okay, we can talk after the podcast because Superman. 
I want a fan over <laughs> Superman sub too. Okay. Oh, that was such an excited Prilliman squeal. That was hilarious. I mean, right. Okay. It was. That was wonderful. Oh, Superman. <laughs> okay. Uh, so next up, let's talk about, we're going to talk about like, what is your job security here? For example, uh, when you're thinking about evaluating your job security, is judging your primary income, is your livelihood depending on how good you are at this task because I'm not saying that there isn't anybody out there. I know at least one or two judges who do actually make their entire living off of judging events. But for the overwhelming majority of us, this is not the make or break. Like I am not going to put myself in a ruinous financial situation because I didn't get staffed for that next event. Because for the most part, this is everybody's side hustle. This is your hobby that you just happen to make some extra fun money on or whatever you decide to. Uh, And that thought and evaluating it that way can help alleviate some of the stress that you'll put on yourself to just allow you more space to be more confident. I don't have to worry because you know what? If I get this ruling wrong, even though I'm trying my best and I just happen to get this ruling wrong, I'm not going to get fired from this event in the middle of the event, like not like I could at my real job. I'm not going to have to worry about, oh, if I don't get on the next event because of a mistake that I made, well, okay, there's more events. There's more organizers to work for. There's flexibility there. You don't have to put all the weight of the world on your shoulders on this next thing that you're now worried about. So just alleviating that pressure will make a huge difference in how much confidence you allow yourself to feel. Wow. Yes. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) That's that's a thing. (laughs) Yep. This this next one, and we're we're almost done with these, but this next one uh, is one that's near and dear to my heart, and we have done entire episodes on the topic. So I'm going to try and keep it very short and very brief. Get feedback, okay? And when I say get feedback, we're talking about either in the moment or written later on or verbally. Um, it, It can be any number of ways that you get it. If you've done something and you're unsure of what you've done, it's a perfect time to ask, hey, did I do this correctly? Um, It's a great opportunity to learn. It's a great opportunity to build your confidence. If you've done something wrong and you know it, it's great to ask, how could I have done this better? Feedback is a gift. Okay. It's It's a present. It's something that you unwrap. It's something that you you take with you. It's something that hopefully will help grow you as a person. Um, hopefully it's delivered in a way that is effective and helpful. Um, not all feedback is. But even poorly delivered feedback, if you open yourself to it and can look at it from all the different directions instead of just being mad about it, it can help. So in the moment... When you're unsure, when you've done something, get feedback. It's a very simple process, and it's something that we used to thrive on a lot, um, and I'd like to see us do more at events. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. Getting, getting the feedback and knowing knowing how others perceive you or perceive the effort that you, that you put in can 
go in like if you're sitting there going like oh i messed up oh i did terrible oh i did whatever and then you get feedback and oh maybe i'm not as terrible as i thought you know oh they didn't see those they don't know all these things yeah you kind of start getting an outside person's perspective of you and you realize that maybe you might actually be one of those people that seems to that other people think that they know more than you do than i do and 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 can you can I say one other thing? Don't fish for it too. You know, hmm. if if you just went and picked up all the slips for the the end of the round, or you just distributed all the slips at the beginning of the round, and you did it flawlessly, you've done your job. Okay, you don't mm-hmm. necessarily require feedback for having done that. If you had a confusing interaction with two players and another judge was shadowing you. And you parse it out and you're not 100% sure that you did it correctly, but it feels right. That's not necessarily fishing. That's a chance to break down the interaction and talk about it more. The basic stuff, if you're unsure of how to do it and you've asked how to do it and you've been told and you do it and you know you executed it correctly, great. Good on you. Thank you. Come again. Anyway, that's feedback. I think with asking for feedback kind of goes into our next Point, and that's stepping out of your comfort zone because not all people want feedback. Not all people want to hear about. Now, we want to hear about the things we did correctly and the things that we did well, but not everyone wants to hear about the things that they didn't do the best or that they can't improve on. And I think that's one of those areas that we kind of have to step out of our comfort zone on and say, okay, I don't feel like this was my best event. And I think that I am mentally in a space now where I can take the feedback, even if it is negative. Let me reach out to this person, even though I'm not quite super excited to do so. Another way to step out of your comfort zone is put yourself in situations that you have mixed confidence in. For example, if you're uncomfortable on coverage, um, you could ask to be on coverage on a Saturday when the stakes are going to be lower and there's going to be more judges on staff. One of the things for me personally is that I have been able to team lead at multiple different events, but I haven't head judged at an event other than some local RCQs. Um, for the Hunter Burton coming up, I had applied to be the uh, Sunday 5K Pioneer head judge after being, you know, I was pushed by multiple different people to apply for it. Um, But that was something that I wasn't 100% confident in myself that one, I would get it, um, or two, that I'll be good at it. So the first one, um, I found out on the weekend of the boil uh, while I was there, when I looked at the staff list, that I had gotten it, and I was absolutely ecstatic. And then I immediately went into, oh, how do I prepare for this now? What questions do I need to ask to get ready for this? And that's when my nervousness started to set in. That's when the confidence being there has started to like waver a little. It's like, okay, I'm not necessarily comfortable in this situation by any means, but it's something that's going to help in building my confidence in the sense that I'm doing something that I'm not used to doing And I'm taking the steps and measures to make sure that when I go do it, I'm going to do it well. And I think that's one of the biggest things with trying to help with your confidence. Step out of your comfort zone. Apply for that role at the event that you normally wouldn't apply for. 
whether that be team lead or head judge, you, you have to start somewhere. You have to have a first time at some point in time. And if you feel that you are at that point that you're like, mm, it's a maybe, try it. The worst that they can say is no, and you can try again later. Yeah, if you're not told no occasionally, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Mm-hmm. All right. So everyone feeling super confident? We know how to deal with all the different ways that we can, you know, from uh, from standing in the middle of the floor with your hands on your hip in a Superman pose to uh, playing piano or playing guitar at Carnegie Hall, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, we got all these ways. Oh. All right. We got this. So now, if everyone's comfortable, let's let's be real for a moment. And oh. give a personal account of a time that we ourselves had low confidence. Don't everybody jump up okay. at once. Do you want? I'll, I'll go first. <laughs> I'll break the ice. I, I, yeah. I, I was like, oh. Yeah, let's get real here for a second. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'll say that Brian Prilliman, host of JudgeCast, is significantly more confident than Brian Prilliman judge okay <gasps> what yeah shocker i am not as confident as i appear and just recently matter of fact back before christmas uh there was a regional championship in atlanta that i worked now prior to that event this was my first large comprel event since before the pandemic okay i had not at that point in time messed around with melee okay I had not dealt with a large event uh, doing end of round, dealing with ghost slips. I had not done a regional championship, okay? There was a lot of judges that I didn't, that were current that I did not know. And I was assigned the breaks product distribution team. So I would be doing deck checks and end of round and uh, uh, clock management and all of everything. So I got, I got team lead for that. And the distribution of coming up with the plan for handing out the lists that they have printed out for everybody and the name badges and stuff like that. And I looked at that and went, I don't know how to do any of this. Holy crap. I'm going to show up and I've got this pedigree. I'm going to fall on my face. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And what I did was I you know, found some people that I trusted that had done something similar that had been very, very active. And I just made myself a pain in the butt asking questions about what was, <laughs> what to do with certain things like, okay, how is this, how is this handled? What is about this? Is this a particular problem? Is this still a thing? You know, those kind of things. And yeah, I was going into that event with very low confidence and kind of nervous about how I was going to do because I had expectations for myself based on pre-pandemic event performance, you know. So I was going in with a whole bunch of these things. Like I was going in with high high expectations. I was going in, you know, worried that if I made a mistake, I you know, I was a lead for a team that was going to be doing a bunch of different things. So if I made a mistake, it was going to be very very obvious. Um that that kind of stuff. And I was very 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 nervous about that. And I made lists, uh, I did planning, I, you know, listened to, to, to pump up music, I asked a lot of questions, 
analyzed things, I sought out advice, and that was how I dealt with it. And then there was a good part of it that was just, well, I just got to do it. So suck it up, buttercup, get out there on the floor and go. I can definitely attest to that because I was at that event and this is the first time that I had ever met Brian Prilliman in person. Um, I've heard many, many stories. I won't share them, but I've heard many (laughs) stories. And I went into this event not knowing who Brian Prilliman was, but seeing you in action was just absolutely amazing. Because again, like I said, I've heard many stories. I've heard about this judge who was absolutely amazing. And then Brian comes in and is like, yeah, this is my first big event since COVID and everything. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I watched him do all of the things and completely like knock it out of the ballpark. I think Saturday morning, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. You all yourself and your team came in stupid early that morning it's especially with how late you all had to stay that night. It was like, what? I'm thinking like 7, 7.30, something like that. 7.30 was our call time, yes. Yeah. And that got pushed back multiple times because it was later in the day previously, correct? Uh, I, Yeah, original call time was, was 9, then it became 8, and then it became 7.30. Uh, and with... Yeah, go on. Sorry, just with all these things, like, you rolled with whatever was thrown your way. And it's like, when I was watching this happen and then getting to work with you on Sunday, that's one of those things where I wasn't necessarily comparing myself to you, but I was definitely looking at all these things that you were doing and doing so well. And I'm like, huh, I hope to be like that. Because <laughs> the way that he is handling this is absolutely amazing. Thank thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, what it, and what it was is, it was like, realistically, there was what what you didn't see was probably like, a 90 minute conversation with Billy Willie two weeks before, before that. And, uh, and then another half hour conversation with wood. Uh, and then a few, mm. cha- a few chats here and there with, um, with, uh, with Texas Joe. So, you know, that those are, those are, th- those are things that, that I, I did beforehand to alleviate that. But yes, I was absolutely worried that, I would come running, come into this event and I just would, would be a little lost and a little clueless. And I was to some degree. Uh, but again, fake it till you make it. Um, ask questions. Don't sweat the, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, uh, ask, ask questions, remove unknowns, all those, all those things, realize what your safety nets are. It's almost like I did a ton of these things that we were just talking about. You know, I I think we just learned one more that we should add to how to gain uh, confidence. And I think it's identify the expert, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you, you reached out, you mentioned to Billy Willie, to Wood, to, to Texas show. They were all people that have done this job before and they were able to answer your questions and help direct you and, and give you a, give you an idea of what to expect with each of the challenges that you might face. And maybe they weren't, Maybe their information wasn't completely perfect because you're at a different event and you may have your own challenges, but they gave you a leg up so that you were able to respond to whatever challenges you came across. Cool. So, I, I want to follow that one up uh, specifically because of the phrase, fake it till you make it. So uh, this is one of my low confidence 
stories. Uh, early on in my judging career, I ha- I had a lot of skills already before I got into judging that were very customer service related. So when it came to the confidence and the presenting yourself as very confident and handling customer service aspects of things and all that, I exceeded and therefore was being pushed towards doing more and more things. And I did one of those classic things where somebody recognizes that, oh, this person has some talent. Let's push that and see how much talent they actually have. So keep pushing, keep pushing, getting some opportunities, succeeding at some, doing not so well on the others. But I was told after like really pushing for a while and really, really driving a lot that there was now this perception of me, and this was from some of my direct mentors in the program early on, um, they kind of shattered my self-confidence by telling me like, look, you are a fake it till you make it judge. And the problem is you're still faking it. You need to start making it when it comes to A, B, C, and D. And Hmm. that was a real tough time for me because I had this perception or I had this feeling like, oh, I'm not that bad when it comes to these more difficult things. Yes, I'm still learning. Yes, I'm still a relatively newer judge. This was all coming in about maybe like a year and a half into uh, my overall judging career. And what happened from that point forward was these judges who I really looked up to at the time, who were some of the judges that were able to give me these kinds of opportunities and were the ones pushing me in this direction, were now telling me, oh, actually, you're not as good as we thought. And that really messed with me for a hot minute. Um, And I just remember going through the next couple of events that I had lined up after that with this kind of like ghost-like feeling where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not as good as I believe I am. And this kind of made me reevaluate my self-image because I had this perception of who I was that did not seem to gel with reality. And I think this is something that a lot of judges can struggle with. This is where like things like imposter syndrome come in, where it's really easy to have a subjective view of yourself and your skills but it's really difficult to get a truly objective view of who you are and how you perform within context of things that you might not fully understand yet. And so for me, that was a huge learning moment where I had to kind of deal with that really low confidence because I had to kind of reset, okay, how good of a judge am I? What are the things that I am good at? What are the things that I really need to work on? And why is it that I could not see that I needed to work on these sooner. And that really actually helped me long-term because I was able to go, okay, I was able to celebrate my strengths and go, okay, cool, customer service, I'm great with that. I'm good at public speaking. I can do presentations at conferences and go to these conferences and learn from other judges some of the things that I might not be as good at. And it helped me kind of restructure how I wanted to look at what I do and what I focus on. So instead of being like, oh, I want to fly high and, you know, head judge the pro tour before I've hit my second year. It's like, no, 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 take it easy. Focus on what you need to do. Focus on what you're good at and keep asking questions. Keep expanding your knowledge base and don't try so hard to rush into something that you're not prepared for. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Uh, I, I, I think I go so that Maddie can, you know, close things out. Um, Ooh. No pressure. I, no pressure. It, it, see, mine's really basic, though. <laughs> Mine, mine's a very straightforward experience. 
Um, it was one of the New Jersey larger events. I'm going to say it had over a thousand, two thousand, maybe as many as fifteen hundred players. I don't think it was in the big hall. Uh, that GP New Jersey has been held in numerous times since the caucus. I think there was another place where we, we held things that were in between where I live and there. But anyway, short story is, is I arrive at the event. I'm assigned several different things that I'm supposed to be a part of through the course of a day. And somewhere around, I don't know, the first round of the event, I take a call and I get appealed and I'm wrong. Terrible, right? Um, we've been talking about it all night, the different examples, and we keep talking about appeals and, and I just, I just, I just did not have enough knowledge at the time to get the call correct. So I felt like I was lacking. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kicking rocks and I'm, I'm walking around the hall and I'm taking care of other business. And I, I, I get a call and, you know, it's bathroom break and I get a call and it's something else and it's simple. And then I get another call. And I go over it some 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 event and and there's a dryad uh, arbor in play and I'm I'm trying to understand the question and I just whiff I just completely don't get that it's if I had read the creature type if I if if I had read the the subtypes I would have been able to answer the question correctly and I get appealed so I'm like okay um, well let's go get somebody and I found. Bears, bears came over, and as I explained to him what happened, as we're walking over, bear go, bears goes, "I'm going to overturn your your uh, ruling." I said, "Okay." So I'm um, o for two. You know, at o two, we just drop and we go and get food, right? But you're a judge; <laughs> you don't have that option. So you you try and pick yourself back up. You try and go through your day, and. Uh, you know, it, I go out and I have lunch and, and lunch kind of helps me reset because it's it's a break. I can be myself for a few minutes and not be Charles the judge on the floor. It's it's a good time to reset. And I come back and I'm probably on the floor for about a half hour to an hour. And I get a call at a legacy event. And you all know what happened here. I whiffed again. I made a bad ruling. And if I had only pulled up the oracle text of the card, I would have answered the question correctly because the information's right there. Uh, instead, I made a call, and it was so bad that they were that they conducted a game action that would require a deviation to fix afterwards. So um, they, I think, I forget how this happened, but I think they they. Can, they accepted my decision, but kind of dubiously. And I walked away and I'm telling somebody else that it happened. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Let's get the judge. Let's get the head judge. And so we got EDB and EDB came over and fixed it. It wasn't a great solution, but but I remember there being a deviation and able to, to resolve it because uh, they had acted on bad information that I had given them. And at that point in time, you think to yourself, I've had three bad calls today. I should just hang my hat up and never judge again. But that's the point where you have to make a choice, right? You can, you can go back out and you can still take calls and, and you can, you can pick yourself up, dust yourself off and, and move on. Or you can just fold. I, I don't know that it's a, a great mark of, of personal character one way or the other, because it was a bad day. 
I mean, like, I was very raw at that point in time. I could not believe that I had missed three calls. And not, not just missed three calls, but missed three calls in one event. Since then, I've never had that experience. I try and play to my outs. I, I do do the double check when I need to. Um, I do consult with another judge when I need to. Um, I take the calls that I'm really confident of, and I, I, I do the business that's required. But those that that day really taught me something about my ability to overcome low confidence. Because by by the time I came back from lunch, I was like, okay, reset. We're all good. I'm going to be fine. The rest of the day is going to be great. And then I go like less than an hour later and I just botch that call. I just, uh, I just wanted to just go into the break room and not come out. So that's my story. Okay. I'm being 100% for real with y'all. Close us out. <laughs> All right. So the, probably the worst event I have ever had myself was an SCG con. And I had gone to this event. After judging for a year and probably almost a year and a half. And I had been working towards, no, it was listening. Don't mind me. Time is irrelevant after COVID. Abstract concept. It was, it was like six to eight months. Don't listen to me. It's fine. Ah, but I had been working towards my L2. I had gotten my L1. And then I was like, you know what? This is a lot of fun. I did a very quick run of like, I think it was four events within three or four months, which for an L1 just starting out was a lot to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to study. My mentors were helping me out a lot. I was like, okay, I'm going to make it to get my L2. I'm set on this now. I want to do this. And so I went to this SCG con. I went in. After having already taken my L2 test and failed it once, um, and I had taken it as kind of like a marker because when I went to go take the test, I knew that I wasn't quite ready for it, but I wanted to take the test and see where I was. And I knew it was going to, on Judge Academy, it was going to have me wait for two months or whatever. But I was like, you know what? I've got this. I'll take those two months and study afterwards. It'll be fine. So I go to this SAG and... I go into the event and I've talked to a couple of people going in saying, Hey, I would really, you know, like some feedback this weekend. I'm working towards my L2. Um, if you don't mind to shadow me on calls, that would be amazing. Just, you know, giving me feedback would be great. All in all, before the event had even started on Friday, one of the people who was going to be my team lead for an event had sat down with me. And told me that I was not ready to be an L2. And that there was no way that I was coming out of this event with a wreck for L2. Because there was just no way that I was ready for it. Basically telling me that I was very far behind. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't know that I needed to work more events for to be able to learn these things. And basically set me up for the weekend saying, you're not getting this no matter what you do this weekend. So I was already kind of like, oh, okay, great. That's... That's the way to start off the weekend. And then we all have personal lives. So, you know, 
we try to not bring work home and not bring home to work, but it doesn't always happen like that. So there was some other personal issues going on within that stuff at that time. So I went in that weekend with the mindset of, okay, this one person says that I can't do it, but I, I still think I might be able to. Um, over the course of the weekend, I had two of my judge calls taken over by another judge that I had pulled to the side during these rulings and was like, hey, I have a question about this thing. And they're like, okay, cool. We talked about it, got to an answer. And when it was ready to be delivered to the players, when I went back over there, this other judge just took the call from me. Didn't ask, nothing, just took it from me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That same judge uh, I went to later because I was like, okay, you know, maybe this was just them trying to make sure the event ran smoothly, whatever. Went to them again, asked them a question. We talked about it, went to go deliver the ruling, and they took over the call again. And I'm like, that's that's not a feel-great moment. Um, that judge later got talked to about, you know, not taking over rulings if someone doesn't want you to. Um, but that also kind of hurt my confidence a little because – I was very in the mindset of, does this person think that they're better than me or that I'm not good enough to do this? Why would they take over these judge calls from me? And then I, like I mentioned previously, had asked a lot of people for feedback and I received a review on Judge Academy after the weekend. I already wasn't feeling great about the weekend. I knew it was not my best event and that's still to this day the worst event I've had. But in this review, I actually pulled it up because there's a couple sentences in here that I wanted to point out. One of them was that when this person has observed me on the floor, it seemed like I had a lot more trouble coming to the correct ruling and often taking excessive time uh, during judge calls. And then towards the bottom of their review, they had stated uh, watching these calls showed me that you have a bit of a confidence issue when it comes to delivering rulings. While it's good to double check things you don't know, if you double check every ruling, you're not providing much value to the event. Woof. And when I read, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. When I, and that's, you know, two sentences out of this very long, lengthy review. Another one that's in here said, the reason this isn't a wreck is based on our conversations and my observations. If I was a team lead and saw that you were the L2 assigned to my team, I would be kind of disappointed. Wow. And so this was on this review that I had received from this event. And I, I will be completely honest, that review for a while made me wonder if I should even be a judge still. Because I felt so bad. Like, I already felt bad about the weekend. I already had the personal things going on. I already had someone tell me that I couldn't do it. And then to add this review on top of it, that when I went through and read it, I was just absolutely soul crushed. And I had to fight an uphill battle after that to gain back that confidence to go into these events, you know, with my head held high and say, yeah, I deserve to be here. That was a bad event, but this is a new event, and I'm going to do better this time. So, yeah, that's my that's my very low confidence story. I just want to say I'm legitimately angry about <laughs> a lot of what you said. 
I'm, and I'm sorry. It was rough. And I'm sorry you yeah. went through that. That's, that's, that's not what we're supposed to be. That's, that's just, that's just mean. So I, I want to make, make this comment to some, the, the listeners. Okay. Because the, one of the statements that Maddie said was, if you have to look up every ruling, then you're not adding a whole lot of value to the event. That is a statement that, that I have made similar on this podcast, addressing a group that's, it's not targeted at a specific individual. Okay. Say, saying something like that, like if Google can do your job, you know, you want to make sure you want to make sure that you add value. However, there is a very different tone when you say that to like a nameless, faceless group to make a point and targeting a specific individual with that statement. Okay. There it's, it's the level of personal I mean that 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 kind of board starts to border on a personal attack, okay. When when you're directing us to that point to a specific individual, okay. And when when I when I heard that statement, it, it was like it, it kind of like caused me to like, oh crap, like like <laughs> yeah. like might I have might <laughs> I have said might I have said a thing and someone heard that and thought that it was okay to say that directly to a person's. <laughs> face through a review and so i want to course correct now the next part to charles point if if i saw you on my team i would feel sad f off like what there's no reason to ever say that to somebody yeah sometimes thoughts need to stay inside your head and that's one of them there's there's other ways to express a sentiment similar to that more constructively or to get across For the point sure. that you really want to make. Or maybe you just don't. I definitely, yeah. And I definitely have to say like reading that review, it took me probably a couple of months to actually respond to that judge and talk to them about that review because I was so just devastated. And when I did finally talk to them, they were like, oh, hey, I didn't mean for this to be disparaging. This was just, you know, this was my review. And honestly, have I, do I feel that I have become a better judge because of that review? Yes, because I read that review, looked at it. And while, yes, at that time, it hurt substantially. Like I said, I thought about just not judging anymore at all because of that review. But when I decided, you know what, I'm not going to let this review put me down. This is one person's opinion on an event that I already didn't feel great about. I'm not going to let this define me as a judge. And I moved on from it. I did take bits and pieces from that. And I was like, you know what? While this came across cross harsh, just like the um, you don't want to have to look up every ruling portion of that. It's not like for that. It's not wrong. If I'm having to sit there and take the however long to look up every single ruling while I'm there, I need to study up more. I don't want to have to look up, can I let this player go to the bathroom if they ask me to go to the bathroom, right? That's one of those things that you should be like, yes, please go to the bathroom. (laughs) Please do not use the bathroom in your seat. Please go to the restroom. Um, But things like that, I did take bits and pieces of this and applied it to what I was learning from that point. Don't get me wrong. I was, like I said, very, very just 
way put down. Spite learning is an amazing motivation. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, pro- proving someone wrong is a, a very oh, yeah. powerful motivating factor. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, we told you to close it out. You, 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 you did. So okay. So let's yeah. let's ask let's ask this. So you said it took you it took you a while, and you realized that you know that this you weren't going to let this de- define you. However, what was the was it just time and distance from the review? that allowed you to gain perspective or did you talk to people about it? Like what was, what was the thing that you did to lessen the, the blow? Was it just like live with it for four months or whatever? So the first thing I did was cry because I was just very like that hit hard. I was just so, I, I don't even just flabbergasted by what had happened. Um, but yeah, and then I went to other people and I talked to them about it. And I'm like, hey, is this, do other people see me this way as well? And I had talked to some of the other local judges because Cookville, Tennessee, for some reason, has 13 to 20 judges for no reason whatsoever. Um, so I talked to local judges. I talked to other judges from that event. Um, and when I talked to judges from that event, I was getting, you know, mixed answers I got some judges who were like, yeah, I could tell that it really wasn't your best weekend, but that doesn't mean that you're not a good judge. I was getting um, other judges who were like, no, I feel like you did fantastic. And it was really just one of those things that talking about me, myself as a female judge, I didn't want to let that review be what took me away from the game because there's already not a lot of female, female presenting judges. And I didn't want there to be one less because I let this review take over that. Um, So I think I had another event a couple of weeks later. And when I went to that event, I crushed it. I went into that event. I wasn't back 100% by any means. And I wasn't even honestly at 50%. But I went in there. I did what I was told. I asked for feedback on things. I made sure that I was actively telling myself, hey, you know the answer to this. Trust your gut. Delivering that ruling. And then I would go talk to someone about it. And they're like, yeah, that sounds good to me. And building back up that confidence to trusting myself was really hard. So it definitely took not only time, but getting back into it and reminding myself again, that that review doesn't define me. Yeah. Get back to the practicing of it. Put on the Superman pose. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good advice. Yeah. With it. Good advice that a single review does not define you. Uh, I, I think agree. if that's, a, I think if that's a takeaway listeners get from this show, that's, that's pretty great too. All good. Right. All right. Yeah. Everybody's, yeah. everybody's happy. We did it. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm confident we've covered all the topics that we, we set out to. Yeah, that was that was low hanging fruit there, Brian. But we're proud of you for making it. <laughs> I'm confident in my Superman pose. Okay, uh, I'm confident. I would like to ask Maddie if she has uh, any contact information that she'd like to share, or any uh, personal passion projects, or or anything that she'd just like to talk about for a minute or two before we close out. Oh my! Oh oh! I get I get special time. Okay, so. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> ah, um, so you can find me on Twitter um, at Madison underscore Henry double zero because I couldn't think of anything, you know, cooler at the time. Um, I'm at Magic Events. I try to be at a lot of the Magic Events. Um, I believe my next one that I'll be at is the Hunter Burton and then hopefully SCG Con Atlanta. And I am also uh, attempting to go to large unnamed event in Dallas and DreamHack Dallas. So we'll see how those go. Um, and I think that's, I, I really enjoy having judge conversations. I enjoy being able to do things like this, like coming on to judge cast. This is absolutely amazing. I loved having this opportunity. So thank you all. Um, and I also really just enjoy being able to be a familiar face for people at events. Um, so I, one of my personal missions, I guess, is providing that extra, you know, female, female presenting face at an event. Um, we have a lot of players. There was one specifically that I met at my very first event. Um, it was Command Fest Richmond in, uh, let's see, it was either, it was May or June of 2022. I met a player who was, I want to say she was 11. But her and I made a connection. She was there with her dad. She was a fantastic, fantastic commander player. Um, and at the end of the weekend, she had actually gone to the stage. They found Ward, and they looked at Ward and said, that female judge, we need her. <laughs> so Ward was like, well, what does she look like? Because there were a few of us on staff. And they described me. Ward came to me and was like, hey, I think these people are looking for you. And I go up there. And she just runs up to me and hugs me. And her dad was like, thank you so much for being here. And I was like, yeah, it's no problem. Like, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying doing this. This is my first event. And he was like, please never stop judging because you are a face that younger, the younger generation want to see. And specifically for his daughter, he was like, you know, you are a face that the younger generation females want to see when they come to shows because you were someone they can approach and feel safe with. And so that's kind of stuck with me through judging is I try to be kind of like that face. I try to be that person that, you know, if you don't necessarily feel safe going to the cis white male judge, you can come to me and we'll figure out whatever problem you have. And so that's kind of my little personal mission goal thing. That's fantastic. Thanks. Wonderful. So uh, that's everything, right? We're all good? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. All right. That's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about, huh, that's weird. The show notes just end. I'm staring into the abyss and it's staring back at me. Anyone else feel that little tickle in the small of your back? No? Just me? Are we doing a horror episode? Well, then, I have no idea. Um, okay. I, I don't. I don't. I don't, even, I don't even remember writing this. Um, I, I, was, I was starting to feel a little bit of anxiety there. I was like, "What?" Are I know. We, me too. What uh, are we doing, anyway, Charles? I don't know. Um, On JudgeCast, no one can hear you scream. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at JudgeCast and on Blue Sky at judgecast.bsky.com.
social. And check out any of our social media for invite links to our Discord server for judges, new and old, fans, and anyone who supports the judging community, including, you know, those that stare back at us from the abyss. I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it fair. I'm Marcos Sanchez, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep making it till I fake it. Wait. Yeah. Yeah.